0: All right, you guys, this is the second episode of our podcast, uh, Return. We're so glad that you've returned to join us today. We're going to be talking about Revelation 1, kind of continuing where we left off in the last episode, and looking at the first coming of the Father to the earth. And also talking about the beauty and the majesty of Jesus in Revelation 1. So let's jump right in. All right, so we left off last week uh, in Revelation, looking at Revelation 1, verses 1 to 3. And uh, we talked about how this book really is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's who he is as the glorified, risen and resurrected God, but also who he is uh, just as a man and that this really is his battle plan to come and transition the earth under his leadership fully. And we see in Revelation 1 that it really is the theme of the whole book of Revelation. It's the theme of who Jesus is as he returns as king to take over all the nations. Uh, in the first three chapters of Revelation alone, there's 30 specific descriptions about Jesus uh, having to do either with his majesty his ministry or his personality, how he relates to people. Over 30 descriptions uh, that talk about uh, who he is and really is an invitation to uncover a greater revelation of Jesus. The whole Bible really unfolds all these different truths that we see in these 30 descriptions of Jesus. So it's things that we can find out about him all throughout the scriptures, but we see little hints of it or little, uh, I've heard it said before, it's like a menu that you see the description of it, but in order to actually uh, go deeper in it, you have to take the time to invest and to discover more. So really, the book of Revelation is about the beauty of Jesus discovering this man, discovering who he is. So, as we uh, work our way through this first chapter, we're going to look at these different descriptions in greater detail and depth, but we're going to look at verse 4 right now, Revelation 1, verse 4, which says, Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So before we get to the who is who was and who is to come part, I think it's really interesting that this the book opens up with kind of that apostolic blessing that we see in other books of the Bible, the grace and peace given to you, uh, grace to you. I mean, what what are some of your thoughts?
1: I think. Uh... Well, the book of Revelation, the last verse of the whole book, ends saying the grace of Jesus may may be with all of you. So, again, this is a a gospel that God gave to Jesus for the church. And the point is for us to endure not only 2,000 years ago for the Christians in persecution, but it's meant to sustain the church for 2,000 years. And at the end of the book, it says, may the grace of God of Jesus be with you. So this blessing it gives us the tone of the of the why of the letter again. This is that the grace of Jesus is going to be enough throughout all the development of the book, not only in the understanding of who the person is, but also in the opposition that we're we're going to have to be confronted with and the complications that all the deception and all the stuff of wickedness coming to fullness, um, uh, the grace of Jesus is going to be enough. So I love that it starts with that in verse 4, and it ends the book with the grace of Jesus. So I think it's it's a book of grace.
0: Yeah. It's like it almost sets the tone, doesn't it, for the Lord saying, like, I want you to know that I am going to give you all the grace that you need in order to overcome. I'm going to give you the grace that you need to love me with your whole heart in the midst of this. And then talking about peace, he's also saying, like, I'm giving you my peace to overcome fear, to overcome, uh, to to even remain in perfect peace in the midst of whatever circumstance happens and whatever comes your way, that you're able to remain in my peace. Yeah.
1: So something I, I remember is, um, Romans 1620 that Paul co- quotes and the God of peace will soon bring Satan under your feet So is that because he's saying grace to you and peace from him and he's quoting he's talking about the father so he's given us grace to overcome in a um, in a battle because he's the God of peace so th- th- yeah those two elements if there's peace, for the storm, but also peace to crush the head of, this, of, of Satan at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so he wants to give this impartation to us as we uh, read, uh, hear, and keep the things written in this book. So then we go on to this title, which is a little bit unusual at first as you read it but from him who is, who was, and who is to come. I mean, obviously we see this is about the Father, and the reason we know it's about the Father is because it uh, a second later it goes on and says, and from Jesus Christ. So we know first it's talking about the Father here.
1: Then the Spirit, and yeah. then Jesus.
0: So, but the interesting thing that we see here is that this is directly tying... Uh, the relationship that the father has to the earth, because it's saying he who is to come, Uh, God, the father is coming to live and dwell on the earth. And that might be a new thought for you. It's actually, this is a massive point, something that uh, we see gets developed all throughout The book of Revelation, because the way that the book of Revelation ends in uh, chapter twenty-one, verse three, is we see the tabernacle of God coming to be with men, and it says He will dwell with them; they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And this is a massive point because I think in in Christianity, and rightly so, we put a lot of emphasis on Jesus's first coming, uh, the cross, what that does to reconcile us to God. But I think it's really important for us to understand it's not enough for us to just be reconciled with a father, but then never actually dwell in communion with him. Mm -hmm. The biggest point of uh, even the cross, uh, of our redemption, of our sins being washed away is the fact that it's going to bring us? We will one day dwell with the Father and be able to see God face to face, which is something that no man has done up to this point.
1: Yeah, in in the flesh, yeah, it's impossible because, um, and I I wanna I wanna just reemphasize that just the way that um, John is receiving this revelation is kind of going backwards, right? Is going from the future to the past, to the ultimate, to the most recent. He starts with the Father, then the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus. Why is that? It's interesting. So we're going to keep developing the one who was and is and is to come, which it appears five times, this title of the one who is to come, appears five times in the book of Revelation. And five out of five is talking about the Father who is to come. He is the one who is to come. But then you go to the other one is the seven spirits. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit, it says the seven spirits. And the only time we have seven spirits is in Isaiah chapter eleven, which is talking about Jesus in the millennial kingdom operating in him and everyone that is gonna rule and reign with him. They're gonna we're gonna operate in the seven spirits of God to bring rulership on the earth. And then Jesus who is to come. So it goes back, goes from the first coming of the Father, goes back a little bit, then the millennial kingdom, and then it goes back to the second coming of Jesus. So it's doing like a in in, in reverse.
0: A zoom in, zoom yeah, out. Yeah, zoom in,
1: zoom out, and it's really interesting. And it's actually these three things are really deep, just for a um, just for a few minutes to explain. But it, it's I mean you go and investigate that. It's it's awesome.
0: Yeah. And we'll probably try to even develop that more in a future podcast because we do see actually other references to the seven spirits later on in the book of Revelation and also in Zechariah three and four, which is crucial. They're crucial chapters to, um, the day and age that we're living in right now. And yeah, we won't jump into that, but Okay, going back to the relationship the Father has with the earth.
1: You were saying that no one has ever seen the Father face to face.
0: Yes. Okay, this relationship that God the Father has to the earth kind of begs a question of what was in God's heart when he created the earth in the first place. There has to, in some ways, be more than meets the eye here more than just a nice creation story there was an original desire and and intent in the heart of god when he created the earth and we see that in the beginning of genesis that you know we know the creation story god creates the heaven and the earth he creates light and the stars in the sky the sun all that stuff he creates this garden and then he creates adam and eve And, um, we see that God walks with them in the cool of the day. He has fellowship with them. And even more importantly, just to note this quickly, we see Adam, you know, Adam gets entrusted with this job to name all the animals and, you know, he goes two by two, you know, there's a male and female giraffe. Okay. I'm going to call you giraffe. And then, you know, all right, here's a male and a female elephant. Okay. I'm going to call you elephant, all this stuff. And Adam goes through all of creation seeing, you know, the original and, and the, and the counterpart the, the two that go together, male and female, but nowhere can Adam find anyone else that, that looks like him because when it came time for God to make man, he said, let us make man in our image. And so this reveals just from the very beginning the desire and the heart of God to create a being in which he would have fellowship with, in which he would relate to, in which we would even, um, I mean, we would be able to have all of the emotions and, and relate to God to think and to feel the way that he thinks, the way that he feels. He made man in his image so that we could have fellowship with the Godhead. Um, and I think that's a massive point, but that leads us to obviously in the garden that, uh, there was a fall. Adam and Eve sinned. This perfect fellowship and communion that we saw between God and man was broken. And, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, they, God wasn't able to relate to Adam and Eve in the same way. And so we see this storyline unfold from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation where that fellowship is broken and then the end of Revelation we see God the Father coming down to dwell on the earth with man. But I think it's really important to talk about uh, three transitional generations that we see in the Bible. Uh, because this helps give a lot of understanding about, uh, well, even just in understanding the Bible and reading it, it helps us understand more what God was doing uh, throughout all of human history to bring Himself closer to the earth and to man. You want to talk about those three generational generations?
1: Yeah. In 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 a few words, is every single time that we have one of these generations, which is not in the Bible. It's just a title that many theologians have put on on transitional, which, in other words, is very important generation in which God comes closer to uh, finishing his plan, his desire, after the fall, and he never goes back. The first one is Abraham, uh, sorry, Moses, Before the generation of Moses, God will only speak to one person in a vision, or like Enoch, Noah. They will hear God's voice, or Abraham, and move by faith, not by sight, and stuff like that, right? Very random, sporadic friendships that God had with man. But then with Moses, that generation, God comes closer and comes burning in a mountain. And he gives us the law, and... Now he gives us the instructions of how he can reproduce in a little scale limited power limited glory, but better than before uh a, a a tabernacle with men in the middle of the camp of the of the Jewish people in the you know in in the wilderness, and he's limited only one person a year they see the glory the people die if they're not ready he's like Pretty intense. A lot of sacrifices. A lot of dead animals have to happen. A lot of um, shedding of blood. But now God is God is among the people. That is um, much better than before, and He never came went back. So the second generation is the generation of Jesus and the apostles. Now He's not firing a mountain, and now He's firing over, over their heads in forms of firing tongues, and. Now it's fire within, right? It's so for the last two thousand years, we've been having a church that is burning on the inside with the Holy Spirit without any restriction inside of us. We have all the fullness of God inside of us, and and according to now that grace to walk in holiness, we can see measures, measurements, or uh, sorry, measures of the Spirit coming out of us: power, miracles, signs, and wonders and we've been experiencing the benefits for 2000 years of that second generation it's amazing we haven't even seen the beginning of the beginning of how god can re- release a revival but then there's another generation the third generation which is amazing that is the one that the bible speaks more about speaks more about and is 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 this last generation that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 53, that that is a mystery. And because it's a generation that will never die, that actually will be transformed in a, in a second. And it's basically, is the generation that will see the return of the Lord, which is, again, not fire in a mountain, not only fire inside of us, is receiving a man that is on fire in the sky and opening up, you know, everything and bringing the fire of God on the earth. So those are the three generations that we have in a few minutes. Uh, And we believe that we're in that last transitional generation because it's so evident what's going on. It's never happened before.
0: Yeah, and to go back to your point earlier, we see that when Jesus comes back to the earth, he sets up this kingdom, also known as the Millennial Kingdom, a thousand year reign and that uh that command or that um yeah the the direction that god gave to adam and eve in the garden which was to have dominion to take dominion over all of the earth uh, we see that same uh direction happening in the millennial kingdom where it's the do- the dominion mandate where Jesus's glory and kingdom fills the whole earth for a thousand years. Progressively, it doesn't happen in a second. He doesn't just come back and snap his fingers. There's a very natural process. There's a very human process that takes place over these thousand years. Because again, Jesus, yes, he is God, but he's man. And um, he takes the time to set up his kingdom, to restore the earth after you know, the outpouring of the judgments that we see later on in the book of Revelation. But all of this leads up to that insanely climactic, beautiful, climatic, climactic, I don't know, <laughs> event Something like that. at the end of the book of Revelation, which is the father coming down with the new Jerusalem, with that bride that he's prepared for his son, Coming down to the earth to dwell here among us. And if we can get a hold of this, if we, yeah, just have that understanding in our minds as we read the scriptures, as we live our lives today, that really changes everything because the whole purpose of creation, the whole purpose of the earth is for us to live and have perfect fellowship with God, who's a holy God. He's the all-consuming fire, like um, you were saying, Benji. And he's going to live among us. He's not going to change who he is in order to dwell with us. That's why Jesus came, died on the cross, and, and made us clean, made us pure from the inside out so that we can have perfect fellowship with him. But we see the whole point of uh, the Bible, the whole point of human history, the whole point of the book of Revelation really is to bring the Father down to the earth so that he would dwell with us. And so this title, right from the very beginning, Revelation 1-4, grace and peace from him who is, who was, and him who is to come. It's massive.
1: Yeah, and uh, so a couple of things. Uh, It's... Sometimes we think, I think many times, but in Christianity, we are taught to think, oh, book of Revelation, we need to be worried about the Antichrist. Nothing at all. Now we're discovering that it's about Jesus, but it's beyond that, too. I mean, Jesus is is incredible, but Jesus is thinking, Father. He's thinking, guys... I'm not even worried about the enemy. I'm just putting one chapter of tribulation. I don't even have enemies. He's not even a match. I'm going to destroy him with just one breath of my mouth in a second. He's thinking millennial kingdom. He's thinking, how can I finish the task as the the last Adam? How can you guys get to know Abba? Jesus has been waiting for 6,000 years for us to not miss out anymore. That's what he's thinking. So he's not thinking earthquakes and financial troubles and antichrist. Who is going to be? Uh, he said, you need all of this information. I'll give it to you. But I'm thinking Abba. I'm thinking you have perfect perfect uh, relationship with, with the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want this. I died because I want you to take you with me so you can see the Father. So right now, we are sitting in heavenly places with the Father because of Jesus, but now it's time for Him. So He uh, created a way for us to go to the Father. Now Him and the church are going to create a way for Him to come down. So uh, the book of Revelation is not even about the second coming of Jesus, which is awesome. It's the first coming of the Father, which is what you were highlighting right now. And Another point that I just want to end up with is the one, I love that it says, the one who is, meaning I am present. I am here with you. Number two, the one who was. If you don't believe it, if you don't feel it, just look at the testimony of who I was. For thousands of years, I've always come through. I always come through. I'm always followed through. Therefore, I am the one who is to come. You have the assurance that I'm going to come. So those even those little three titles that he has as the father are incredible to encourage us to wait for these truths and you know to happen.
0: Yeah. Amen and amen.
1: Oh, was that uh, that's it, that's the end?
0: That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> yeah, so again, this is a invitation to go deeper all of these 30 descriptions that we'll look at little by little uh, in this podcast they barely scratch the surface of what can be understood what can be known what can be tasted and seen of God as the psalmist talks about so we look forward to seeing you guys in upcoming episodes
1: see you talk to you later return